just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Friday. We're winding down the week. Yesterday was pretty eventful. We'll be talking about that shortly. Wanted to give you a heads up. I'll be talking to Ed, recording a podcast uh, some point this morning. And then later this afternoon, that podcast will be released. So it'll be an extra podcast with Ed. He always brings some great insights and some ideas and some opinions. So be looking forward to that. I also want to thank Maddie for guesting on the show yesterday. It's kind of an unconventional Rational Boomer podcast, and we have those from time to time. Maddie is a listener, which qualifies her to be on the show anytime she likes, just as it would be for any of you. But I thought this was going to be an interesting learning experience, and I thought it showed a lot of bravery on Maddie's part. Maddie is transgender. I think we all know what that is, but I don't think we all know what it's really all about, and what are the things that people go through that happen to find themselves in that position. So I think when Maddie was on the show, I know I learned a lot. And that's important to me. I want to know as much as I can know about anything that I might have occasion to talk about. And I was pretty illiterate when it came to transgender issues. I understood the basics, but not all of it. And Maddie had a pretty compelling story, and she showed a lot of bravery in her life and coming on this show. And for that, I'm very thankful. I'm very proud of that show. Hopefully, you learned some things and got the same amount of things out of it as I did. So, Maddie, thanks very much. Uh, She will no doubt be back on the program at some point down the road. In those podcasts, we'll probably be talking more about the typical things that we talk about on the Rational Boomer podcast. But again, thanks to Maddie for joining me on the Rational Boomer podcast. Now, because I had Maddie on the show yesterday and Dewey on the show the day before, I wasn't able to get to a lot of emails. So I got a lot of catching up to do here today. We've got a number of emails, which is cool. I love the emails. We'll start with an email from Paul. He says, Mike, I appreciate how you are treated by your family as you mature when they find you dozing in your favorite chair. My loved ones comments such as, are you all right? Or, oh, be careful. And my least favorite, is that too heavy? It only means they care. When they start poking you with a stick, muttering, is he breathing? Then you have to worry. <laughs> Take life easy, work smart, and keep them on their toes. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I just, the only thing I have problems with with my wife and my kids, they think I'm so fragile, and I'm not. I never have been fragile. I've been kind of rough and tumble. I've run into some brick walls. I've fallen down. I've done all of those things. And I was always fine. And even now at my advanced age, I'm fine. I'm not as fragile as they like to think. And I try to explain that to them, but they don't listen to shit. Wonder where they got that from. (laughs) Anyway, Paul, thank you very much for the email and the insight. I'll try to consider that next time. uh, Next time I'm startled asleep in my chair. Next email comes from Douglas. He says, hi, Mike. Do these people not understand that things change? Now, I think what Douglas is referring to is Republicans or Trumplifox. He's bringing up a point that I've talked about in the past. He says, everything they do now sets a precedent for someone else to do in the future. Make no mistake, Democrats can take advantage just as easily as Republicans once they regain power. They will regain power. They may even emerge another party from the ashes of the GOP. All the nonsense they are doing now will come back and bite them in the ass. Are you familiar with the situation in Arkansas years ago regarding a 
Commandments monument and the response from the satanic, satanic Temple. He sent me a link down here below, and I did look at that. I'm not going to go into that right now. Douglas says, still looking for an even evening I can suggest to join you for an episode on your podcast. Looking forward to it. Well, Douglas, anytime you like, just send me an email. Tell me when you're ready. We'll set it up, and you will be on the show. But the point Douglas is making here is a point I've made quite a lot. And I've said Trump LaFox don't have any foresight. They can't see beyond the end of their nose. They do all these things, like Donald Trump in the White House, in the Oval Office, did all these things, stepped over these norms, broke laws, and they thought, well, only we can do that. Well, the fact of the matter is, Joe Biden, if he was that kind of person, could have done everything that Donald Trump had done in the Oval Office because he set the precedent. Now, here's a perfect example of that, and we'll talk about this later in the show as well. Remember when the January 6th committee was sending out subpoenas to Jim Jordan and some of the other Democrats to be deposed regarding the January 6th insurrection? I mean, they were part of it. They were talking to Donald Trump. They are legitimate witnesses, and having them speak not only would be a good thing to get to the bottom of things, but it's really kind of their duty, according to their uh, oath of office. They're supposed to step up and speak up, regardless of how it affects the political parties. Well, now Jim Jordan, of course, now they have a slim majority in the House of Representatives, and Jim Jordan is the uh, chair of a committee. And he's got these bullshit investigations that are just making him look foolish, making the Republicans look foolish. But now he's sending out subpoenas to Democrats or people in the FBI, in the DOJ, and guess what? Nobody's responding to them. Eric Swalwell brought this up, that it's ironic that Jim Jordan, a person who did not comply with a subpoena, is now up in arms about people in the DOJ or the FBI that are not complying with a subpoena. Now, these people in the FBI have less reason and no legal reason to testify, no oath of office reason. Now, Jim Jordan did have reason to testify. But now he's talking about contempt of Congress and all that stuff. It seems so ironic, given that he's guilty of the very same thing he's complaining about. This is exactly what's being talked about here. They do these things, and they think they're so smart, and they think they're so tough, but they don't realize they've set precedent for Democrats to do when they are in the position. The one thing we found out about congressional subpoenas, they have no teeth. They're weak as hell. Now, we did have Steve Bannon get referred to the DOJ, and he was convicted of it and was going to go to jail at some point, maybe in the summer. But other than that, all the members of Congress either didn't get referred or didn't get indicted. So what they prove, Jim Jordan and the host of other Republicans is, what they, what they showed us was that there was no teeth in congressional subpoenas and nobody had to comply with them. So the fact that Jim Jordan is now upset or surprised that Democrats aren't going to comply just shows how ignorant and short-sighted he and the rest of the Republicans are. Fuck Jim Jordan. If I was somebody that was subpoenaed by Jim Jordan, I wouldn't show up either. He's proven to me that it doesn't matter. There is no strength in those subpoenas. Now, that's something we need to shore up. Down the road, when things presumably get back to normal, we do need people to comply with a subpoena. And there needs to be accountability and a punishment for those people who refuse to do it for whatever reason. We don't have that now, so those subpoenas are very weak. That is a problem in our system. And the Republicans, the trump are the ones that exposed that problem. So they should not be surprised if they're getting slapped back in the face with the very same thing that they did. 
All right. The next email comes from Bo. He says, hello, Mike. Always enjoy the work and insight. I appreciate your time you share with us listeners. Today's podcast you shared about fighting the urge to smack a fool. LOL. I know the feeling. I struggle with it myself. It sometimes pulls me off balance. Recently, it's been difficult as my last living parent is a right winger. I have four children, and I want my children to have access to their grandparent. As difficult as it is for me because I want to smack a fool. The rhetoric is painful, and I usually do my best to avoid politics, as we see what's going on from two completely different standpoints. My spouse reminds me often to set boundaries and don't let her cross them. Anywho, long email. Now, it's not the longest email today. He goes on to say, I was watching TikTok and I saw that George Santos might be in hot water. Oh, yeah, he's in plenty of hot water. But the ethics board told him how to play the system so he won't be held accountable. This was infuriating for me. I hope that TikTok was wrong. Anyway, sending blessings to you and your family. Oh, and please, I appreciate you giving me shit last email for misspelling. I often talk text from your indigenous neighbor, Bo. Well, in terms of him being accountable to Congress and the Ethics Committee and such, I don't know what's going to happen there. They are going to take him to the Ethics Committee, but the Republicans control that committee, so it's presumed that nothing will happen to him there. At the same time, they really have a need to get rid of him somehow. He's an utter embarrassment to the Republican Party, and he's sucking up all the oxygen and all the publicity. But even if the Republicans don't do anything to him and he gets by, don't worry too much because the feds, the DOJ, they aren't going to let him run free. In fact, he's getting closer and closer to getting indicted. So even if the Republicans in the House of Representatives don't hold him responsible, make him accountable, he will be in the end. He'll get his. There's no question about it. Some of the things he did are so egregious and so illegal, he can't help but get indicted. And he's not powerful enough to slip away from it. He's going to get nailed. He knows it. Everybody around him knows it. And it's just a matter of time. All right. The next email comes to me from Eric. He says, hi, Mike. A few days ago, I saw a TikTok breaking down the possible outcomes from the Republican primary. I don't remember the creator's name, but I wish I did so I could give them credit. This TikTok said there are really only two possible outcomes from the Republican primary. First option, Trump is the nominee and the Republicans lose the general election. That goes without saying. Second option is DeSantis wins the nomination. Trump whines and complains about it being rigged or stolen. Trump runs independently and splits the Republican vote, and Republicans lose the general election. I'll address that after I finish the email, because I have other options that are just as likely as far as I'm concerned. He says, while I agree With what the creator said, I think there might be a third possible option. There you go, Eric. I think the Republicans might offer up a sacrificial lamb this cycle. What I mean by that is give the nomination to someone they don't expect to win but might be competitive if Trump doesn't split the vote. However, they'd be expecting Trump to split the Republican vote or to keep his base home. They wouldn't waste the candidacy of someone like DeSantis during a year where they reasonably reasonably should expect Trump to destroy their chances at, at the presidency this year after he does expect them to put the law squarely at his feet and turn away from him. I think one of the reasons they might do something like that is to focus on the down-ballot races and try to pick up seats in the House and Senate. I'm sure that having Trump on the ticket would probably cost them seats in Congress, but maybe letting him run as an independent and giving the congressional candidates some breathing room might make more races competitive. I don't know who the sacrificial candidate might be, 
though I think it would need to be someone with name recognition, possibly Chris Christie, Iowa's own COVID Kim Reynolds, Sarah Palin, or someone like that. I think if they do purposely take their shot at the presidency in 2024, they would use the next two to four years to polish and change their perceived image in hopes of regaining Congress in 26 and the presidency in 2028. As always, thanks for all you do. Eric. Well, Eric, I I, I don't disagree with you. That's definitely something they could do. I mean, let's be honest. If we go back in history, remember when George H.W. Bush was president? Um, He had a very high rating with public opinion. That was because of... uh, of, uh, the Iraq war and all that, that sort of stuff. Uh, But toward the end of his campaign, uh, toward the end of his, his presidency, the economy went to shit and he lost a lot of votes. Now, initially when George HW Bush was a strong candidate, a lot of the Republican can or democratic candidates backed off of it. They didn't want to get in the mix. So that's how, uh, some relatively unknown governor from Arkansas, Bill Clinton, stepped in and actually beat George H.W. Bush. I mean, the fact of the matter is that uh, Bill Clinton got very lucky. He's one of those guys that always gets lucky. George H.W. Bush looked like he would be a world beater when it came to the presidential election. But in the last third, last quarter of his of his presidency the economy went to shit he took all the heat and of course he lost to bill clinton had that not happened that way we probably would have had more candidates with better name recognition but i think you're right these people you know they don't want to waste on a on a for sure loss I mean, if you run for president and lose, that makes it tougher for you to do it next time. So if it doesn't look good for a Republican candidate, and I can guarantee you it does not look good for any Republican candidate in 2024, uh, they might put up a sacrificial lamb. I'll give you another option, and this is an option I've talked about, and a lot of people disagree with me, but I don't give a shit. First of all, I don't think Donald Trump will be in a position to be a candidate in any way, whether it be the Republican nominee or a third party. I just don't think he'll even be in the mix. And to be perfectly honest with you, Ron DeSantis, uh, he could be the sacrificial lamb because he's really not as strong as people make him out to be. He's got a lot of issues to contend with. And a lot of them are going to come to the surface between now and 2024. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if Ron DeSantis isn't in the mix either. I thoroughly believe that whoever runs uh, for the Republicans in the 2024 election may be somebody we don't expect, like you suggest, like a Chris Christie, a sacrificial lamb, because they know they're going to lose. That could very well be. I just don't see Donald Trump in the mix. I think he's going to be cast aside before then. He may not legally be able to run for the presidency, depending on how the indictments go. And I just I just don't see him there. You know, he's got a fragile ego. And if somehow he realizes that he cannot win, and as a third-party candidate, any idiot would know you can't win. If he's just doing it to be vengeful, that's one thing. But I know that Donald Trump does not like to be a loser. And if there's any question in his mind that he's going to lose, he'll back the fuck out. We had a similar situation in Minnesota. You maybe remember the time when Jesse the Body Ventura, the wrestler, ran for the governorship of Minnesota and damned if he didn't win. That should have been a red flag to Democrats and Republicans, meaning Minnesotans were tired of their their uh, establishment bullshit, so they voted for Jesse. Now, Jesse had his problems when he was governor. Jesse wasn't really a bad guy. It was the people he had around him were fucking dipshits. I worked at the Department of Transportation, and I got to meet some of those people that were part of Jesse's administration, and they were assholes. Uh, 
they were bitches, and they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. So when it came to running for re-election, Jesse just bowed out. Because I think Jesse knew that he was going to lose. Now, Jesse's nowhere nearly as bad as Donald Trump, but he's got a little bit of an ego, and he's not going to walk into something knowing he's going to lose. I think that's a bigger issue for Donald Trump, and I don't see him going into something if he's convinced he's going to lose. But we'll see what happens. I'm more interested in the indictments coming because he'll be so hamstrung with so many things going on. I don't know how he will have time to even consider running for the president. All right, the last email comes from Jamie from New Hampshire. We hear from her frequently. She says, Billy and I are listening to today's podcast with a transgender woman. What the fuck happened to her cousin? I hope she hasn't been able to get away with it for the for years and years. I'm sure it happened to other little ones, too. Have a great day, Jamie from New Hampshire. She's referring to Maddie and yesterday's show, Maddie being transgender. She also brought up the fact that she was sexually abused uh, by a cousin, a female cousin, when she was about seven years old. And uh, that is horrifying to think about. Uh, next time we talk to Maddie, we'll be sure to ask her what ended up happening with her cousin. <clears throat> I suspect in a lot of these cases, a lot of situations like this, nobody ever talks about it. They're embarrassed, and these people get off the hook. However, when you have somebody who has a propensity of doing something like this, they don't stop it just once. So presumably, they did it again, unfortunately, terrorizing another child. And with, uh, with any hope at all, they got caught and they are made accountable for it. But next time I talk to Maddie, I will ask about that because that is a good question. Thank you, Jamie and Billy. One other thing I wanted to talk about, Joe Biden yesterday came out with his proposed budget. Now, in this budget, he says it will bring the debt down by $3 trillion over the next 10 years. In this budget, he's also enhancing and uh, adding substantially to Social Security and Medicare to make sure they're strong. Now, in order for him to do this, what he's going to need to do is raise taxes. And that is a trigger point for a lot of people. Oh, no, you can't raise taxes. Joe Biden shouldn't raise taxes. That's a bad thing. But hold on a second. It's really not that bad. It's actually a good thing. You see, while the Republicans are excited about bringing the debt down, I mean, that's their complaint with Joe Biden. That's why they don't want to raise the limit on the debt. I find that ironic because during Donald Trump's tenure in office, the Republicans raised the debt by $8 trillion. That is about 25% of the debt. I don't know. To me, that just doesn't sound very conservative. Somehow they don't mind increasing the debt when Republicans are in control. But when the Democrats are in control, now it's a big problem, a problem we have to address, a problem we have to put our economy and the world's economy at risk to fight over. I mean, that's just who the Republicans are. So as I said, now, Joe Biden wants to raise taxes. That will be the sticking point for the Republicans. And even some Democrats will say, we don't need to raise the income tax. It's already pretty high. Well, hold on a second. Yes, for those of us that are in the middle class, uh, it is high enough. But what Joe is pr uh, proposing is to have a minimum 25% tax on billionaires. 25% minimum tax on billionaires and increasing taxes on those folks earning more than $400,000 a year. You're probably saying to yourself, 25000 that sounds like a lot of money. That may be unreasonable. But not when you think about what you and I pay 
as middle-class people, we pay closer to 30%. So it's not crazy. It's not crazy to uh, ask billionaires to pay their fair share. I mean, this economy has been in its best condition when the wealthy and corporations paid the taxes, the fair taxes, for the money they created. They keep wanting to talk about trickle-down. They've been doing this for 40 years, and in 40 years it's never worked. So I think this budget idea is, is, is a good one. However, it will never happen because that's just the way these things go. The Republicans will kick back on this, and they have control in the House. But something Joe Biden did that I thought was fucking outstanding, and Joe Biden is doing this more and more every time. He's outwitting these motherfuckers. They think they're so smart, and they think Sleepy Joe can't do anything. But Sleepy Joe keeps playing these motherfuckers. He got them to negotiate not touching Social Security and Medicare while he was giving the State of the Union on fucking television. Oh, they hated that. But Joe Biden has said, okay, here's my budget. If you don't like my budget, show me your budget. And the funny thing is they've been reluctant to show the budget because now that Joe Biden tricked them, into not trying to cut Social Security and Medicare, what do they have left to cut? The Defense Department? Well, they surely don't want to do that. They could. They could cut the Defense Department because we pay them an exorbitant amount, way more than we need to. And people will say, well, it keeps our country safe. No, it doesn't. It makes the military-industrial complex rich, these private companies that are contractors or vendors for the military. They're the ones that get the money. You just get to stockpile ammunition and weapons and that sort of thing, things we don't even need. The next 10 countries don't spend as much on defense as we do. And most of those are allies. So why are we spending so much? Well, we've got to keep putting money in the pockets of the military-industrial complex because those people then in turn put money into our members of Congress. So Republicans are in kind of a tight spot here. What are they going to cut? They've been bitching about having to cut some things. They would have tried to cut Social Security and Medicare, but of course Joe Biden played them and embarrassed them. Now they can't do that. What you have to understand about the Republicans, this is what would have happened if Joe Biden didn't do what he did during the State of the Union. The Republicans would push and force cuts on Social Security and Medicare. And if Joe Biden was a spineless piece of shit like Kevin McCarthy, he'd give in. Well, now Joe would never give in. But let's just say we have a president that would give in and make some cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Then for the next two years, those Republicans would complain that the Democrats cut Social Security and Medicare. They would force the issue and then blame the Democrats for that. And for many years, the Democrats continued to fall for it. Fortunately, we have a president now that knows how to play the fucking game, and that ain't going to happen. People are really worried about this raising the debt limit because they know if they don't, it could very well crash our economy and crash the world economy. I need you to know, no matter what the Republicans say, no matter what the Trump fucks do, that's not going to happen. They may run it up to the last day. But that debt limit will be raised. And if that debt limit is raised without any significant cuts, guess what's going to happen? Kevin McCarthy is going to get his throat cut by the MAGA fucks. MAGA is just waiting to kick Kevin McCarthy out the door. Kevin McCarthy knows this. This is why he's so weak. This is why he's bending to all this bullshit for MAGA, even though they only make up 25 to 30 uh, people in the House of Representatives, which isn't even anywhere near a majority. I'll show you how weak 
Kevin McCarthy is. He recently named Marjorie Taylor Greene Speaker Pro Tempore. I think that's the correct pronunciation. Now, a lot of people were very upset about that. Oh, my God. Marjorie Taylor Greene has power. What you have to understand is that title is just temporary. It could be one day. It might be as much as 10 days, but typically not more than that. And all a speaker pro tempore does is fill in for the Speaker of the House when they can't make it to work. No doubt Kevin McCarthy's got a lot of balls he's juggling. Thankfully, he has the balls he's juggling because he has no balls in his pants. That said, I think he was throwing Marjorie Taylor a bone because Marjorie Taylor Greene, as weak and stupid as she is, she basically pulls the strings on Kevin McCarthy. For all intents and purposes, she's the most powerful Republican in the House of Representatives, which seems ironic because as little as a year ago, she was on no committees, she had no power, she was spewing conspiracy theories, screaming about the big lie, and she was nobody. And she should be nobody. She's not bright enough to be in control of anything. But the Republicans take over. Kevin McCarthy, after 15 tries, becomes the Speaker of the House. Marjorie Taylor Greene latches on to Kevin McCarthy, becomes his, his sidekick, or maybe Kevin's her sidekick. And now she's pulling the string. So he threw her a bone. You're going to be Speaker pro tempore. That doesn't really give her any power to do anything, even though she's filling in from time to time. She's not going to be able to do anything crazy. Kevin McCarthy and the rest of the Republicans won't allow that. Where the real problem with with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is, she's now back on committees and important committees at that. That's where she's getting some power, and that's where it's dangerous, and that's where We've got to make that change as quickly as possible. Now, the Democrats seem content in just sitting back and saying, well, let them fuck it up. Let them go rogue. Let them fuck it up, and uh, they'll get destroyed in 2024. And they're probably right. Unfortunately, this country has to deal with a shit show in the House of Representatives for the next two years, meaning nothing gets done. Now, I will give Joe Biden credit. He's finding ways to get things done without having Congress involved. A good example is Eli Lilly dropping their uh, dropping their uh, uh, cost of insulin without it being forced by Congress because of how Eli Lilly was exposed in this situation and embarrassed. I'm sure Joe Biden applied a little pressure and made them do what they did people talking about it, people knowing about it, and a president who knows how to play the game got something done without Congress even getting involved. That's that's pretty impressive. So the Democrats are perfectly content with the Republicans killing themselves because that's what they're doing. They're fighting amongst themselves. They're going to destroy their own party. Well, they've already destroyed their party as we knew it. But their power and their influence is going to be slipping away here. And they're going to be doing it to themselves. All right, we will take a quick break and we will be right back. All right, this is the story we've all been waiting for. The Manhattan District Attorney. Elvin Brack, his office has indicated to Donald Trump's legal team that he could face criminal charges over hush money paid to an adult film star, Stormy Daniels, during the 2016 election. Now, according to sources, prosecutors have offered Trump the opportunity to testify before a grand jury next week, which would be an unusual step if they weren't planning to proceed with charges. It's also a sign that a decision on the indictments is close, the Times noted, Washington or New York Times. Sources later confirmed the offer to testify with the Washington Post. So 
Elvin Bragg from the Manhattan District said, uh, Donnie, you can come testify, but it's got to be next week. There is going to be no delays here. He either is going to testify or he's not going to testify. And I think we can all agree that there is no likelihood that he will testify. He just doesn't testify. Him going under oath is a fucking suicide mission. He knows it. His lawyers know it. And the DA knows it. So they're not expecting him to show up. But this isn't like a negotiation or anything. They said, you've got your chance to come in next week. Do it or not. Whatever you want to do is cool. But this is almost always an indication that an indictment is imminent, coming soon. Now, Trump, who's announced his plans, of course, to run for president in 2024, as I say, unlikely to testify. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office did not return a request for comment on the report. The DA's probe is the longest running of multiple ongoing criminal investigation into Trump's conduct and concerns a $130,000 payment to porn star Stormy Daniels, who claims she had an affair with Trump. She's got to be telling the truth. Who would ever lie about being with Donald Trump? That's not a flex. Now, following a bombshell Wall Street Journal report about the payment in 2018, longtime Trump attorney Michael Cohen admitted to orchestrating the arrangement one month before the 2016 election in exchange for Daniels' silence about the affair. Cohen was later found guilty of violating campaign finance laws and sentenced to three years in federal prison. He only served one year. Now, the interesting thing thing about this is Donald Trump in this case was considered an unindicted co-conspirator, meaning he conspired with Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen was found guilty. Donald Trump was not indicted because at the time he was president of the United States. And, of course, we know they don't indict sitting presidents for some fucking insane reason. But he didn't get indicted. But that doesn't mean he can't get indicted after he's no longer president. And this is what we're looking at now. If Michael Cohen was found guilty and Donald Trump is a co-conspirator, you would presume that he's guilty, too. And this indictment could cause some big problems for Donald Trump. It's kind of ironic that with all the things going on, all the investigations going on, this is the one that may be the first. Nobody saw this coming. But from every indication and the way the district attorney's office is handling it, it looks like an indictment is coming. Trump, meanwhile, has denied that he directed Cohen to pay off Daniels and says the money for the payment did not come from his campaign. Well, I think the evidence shows otherwise. A spokesperson for Trump released a statement reacting to the Times report saying the district attorney's threat to indict President Trump is simply insane and slamming the investigation as a witch hunt. Oh, that's that's an oldie but a good goody. Every time something comes up against Donald Trump, it's a witch hunt. Now, just over a month ago, the Times reported that the Manhattan DA office was gearing up to present evidence to the grand jury assembled for the cases that it had contacted multiple people who worked on Trump's 2016 campaign. Now, the former president remains under investigation by the Justice Department, by Georgia, and, of course, by the Manhattan District. Now, the best part of this is always, how is Donald Trump going to react? Donald Trump gets cornered more and more every day. The former president is already responding to the news. Shortly after the story dropped, Trump's legal team released a furious statement on Twitter slamming the prosecutors in the case. They said it was a witch hunt. The Manhattan District Attorney's threat to indict President Trump is simply insane, said a spokesperson. For the past five years, the DA's office has been on a witch hunt, investigating every aspect of President Trump's life, and they've come up empty at every turn, and now this. Well, I beg to differ. 
They haven't come up empty, otherwise they wouldn't be in a position to indict. DAs don't like to go to court in situations where they know they're going to lose, so if they were empty, they wouldn't even be considering this. The fact that after their intensive investigation, the DA is even considering a new political attack is, is a clear exoneration of President Trump in all areas. Don't you just love it? I'm going to get indicted, so that proves I'm exonerated. <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch. President Trump was a victim of extortion then, just as he is now. It's an embarrassment to the Democratic prosecutors, and it's an embarrassment to New York City. Divert, distract, and delay. That's the standard fare for Donald Trump and trump Lafox. The new steps by Bragg come as multiple other criminal investigations into Trump proceed, including federal probes into the January 6th insurrection and the classified documents scandal by Special Prosecutor Jack Smith and Fulton County, Georgia, Prosecutor uh, Fonnie Willis, who is investigating election interference in the state. Bragg has not yet made a formal decision to indict Trump, despite clear steps toward doing so, and a grand jury would have to sign off on any charges against him. So it's not a done deal in terms of indictments. But every indication suggests that's where it's headed. And again, it would be ironic if the first indictment to drop is because of Stormy Daniels. I mean, we heard about this, you know, what was 23 right now. So that was seven years ago prior to the election in 2016. We knew it was illegal then. We knew that Donald Trump was involved with Stormy Daniels. He says it's a witch hunt. But let's remember, prior to the 2017 or 16 election, there were at least 17 women that claimed that Donald Trump assaulted them. In addition to this criminal possibility here, of course, we've got E. Jean Carroll and her defamation lawsuit, which is coming up in April. There's a lot of shit going on with Donald Trump. And this is kind of what I mean about him running for president. Say he gets an indictment here. That indictment, that one indictment, I've always said we only need one indictment. Because once that one indictment falls, the others will come way easier. Nobody wants to be the first one to do it. Elvin Bragg seemed to be backing off of Donald Trump in his business fraud case, and he took a lot of heat for it, so he knew he had to do something. So he took a look at this Stormy Daniels case and realized, hey, we might have something here. Yeah, you think? You already convicted Michael Cohen, who is his co-conspirator, so yeah, you probably do have something going on here. But with all the potential indictments coming after this first one, Donald Trump will be busier than a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. He won't know which way to turn. He is going to have to be defending himself with lawyers from every angle, and he just doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the ability to control everything, and that's where the real problem is going to come into play for Donald Trump. Donald Trump loves to control everything. He likes to pressure people. He likes to coerce or blackmail people. But he's going to have so many things going on at one time, he is just not going to be able to keep up. Indictments in Georgia, indictments from the DOJ, actually uh, two sets of indictments over two cases in the DOJ, and now we have the Manhattan District. And when that's all going on, of course, we've got the lawsuits, E. Jean Carroll. Letitia James, the attorney general from the state of New York, Eric Swalwell, and some of those other members of Congress that are suing him. He's even got some insurrectionists suing him. This guy is not going to know where to fucking turn. He is going to be so confused and so messed up. And if you hear him talk now, you can see he's kind of losing it. I think the pressure is getting to him. Well, this ain't nothing. Wait till all this other start, stuff starts to fall. Wait for that first indictment. Now, the one thing we have to be careful of is uh, when people like Donald Trump get cornered and there is no way out, that is when they're the most dangerous because they don't give a fuck. They will do and say anything. And so we have to be aware of that and we have to be 
protecting everything so he doesn't do any more damage than he's already done. We've got to get him indicted. We've got to get him on trial, take his attention away from everything else. He'll be so focused on whether or not he'll have freedom or not, he won't have time to cause problems in the media. He will try to try this case in the media, but no doubt the judge is going to put a gag order on him, knowing what he's capable of. They don't want anything to happen to the trial anything that could cause a mistrial. So they're going to have to shut him up. And if he doesn't shut up, they could very well put him in jail for contempt of court. So things are starting to fall the way of the Democrats and those of us with a reasonable mind. For a long time, Donald Trump got away with a lot of things, but it always comes to an end. I've told you that. When it comes to a narcissist like Donald Trump, I know how it starts, I know how it goes, And I know how it ends, like I was telling um, Maddie yesterday. I had a father who had a similar personality to Donald Trump, wasn't as rich as Donald Trump, but was pretty wealthy in my neighborhood or in my part of town. And uh, he rode high for a long time. He was very successful, made a lot of money. And then we started seeing the chinks in the armor, started drinking too much and started doing stupid stuff. Things weren't quite going his way, and then he started to flail, and ultimately he crashed. And as I told Maddie yesterday, a guy not unlike Donald Trump in terms of his personality, had all kinds of money, had a family, had all those things. He ends up dying in a one-room apartment with no furniture except for, for a reclining chair, which he died in, in his underwear, with no money. That's how it ends. That's how it will end for Donald Trump. We got some other interesting news. We'll be watching that closely. We'll be hearing more and more about that. I don't expect to hear Donald Trump testify next week. He probably should. It might be beneficial to him if he thinks he can talk his way out of something. But we know Donald Trump, and we know he won't show up. And that will probably work against him, which is a good thing. Now, we also heard that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is currently being treated for a concussion after falling at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday night. They're saying that he's expected to remain in the hospital for a few days of observation and treatment. McConnell's spokesperson said Thursday in the first official update on the senator's condition, McConnell, 81, fell at the hotel during an event for the Senate leadership. you got to remember, Mitch McConnell's 81 years old. Guy that age, if he tips over and breaks a hip, well, it's all but done. Doesn't sound like his hip is a problem in this situation. But he had a concussion. Which means when he tripped, he didn't have the wherewithal to put his hands out and landed on his fucking head. Not surprising with somebody like Mitch McConnell. Thank God uh, another Trump LaFuck didn't fall down. You know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, she could have tore up her haunches or broke a hoof. Kevin McCarthy, though, had he fallen, he would have been cool. Because he'd be very flexible because he's a spineless motherfucker. But at this point, McConnell is in the hospital. Now, the crazy thing about McConnell right now, amongst the Republicans, he's kind of the voice of reason. Yeah, I know he's an evil motherfucker. He's an obstructionist. And part of the reason we're in the condition we're now in in this country is because of that motherfucker. But the people around him... Those Republicans in the House and some of them in the Senate are crazier and more criminal and more corrupt than even Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell sees what it's doing to his party. They lose the midterms in 2018. They lose the presidential election in 2020. They again lose or are at least disappointed in the midterms in 2022. Apparently, Nobody but Mitch McConnell realizes that this MAGA bullshit and their 
Trump, Trumpism and their ideology is the thing that's costing them elections. They keep doubling down and keep trying to do what they're doing. Mitch McConnell's going, yeah, settle down. We can't be fucking having this. So it's kind of weird to have Mitch McConnell as the voice of reason. Don't trust him, though. He's still an evil motherfucker. Now, Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming, a Republican, told reporters that McConnell is awake and talking and that he's expected to make a full recovery, though Barrasso said he had not spoken to McConnell himself. For the most part, GOP senators attending their weekly closed-door luncheon didn't know much more than what had been released by McConnell's office. The Senate minority leader is expected to be in the hospital through the weekend. Now, the question is, are they being honest with us? Is he really going to be okay? We don't know this for sure because the Republicans... The Republicans tend to fucking lie. Now, what's interesting about Mitch McConnell is you remember back several months, he was trying to work a deal with the legislature back in Kentucky about the legislature being able to pick his replacement if something should happen to him. And we've seen him a few times looking none too great. But see, in normal situations, certainly in Kentucky, if, say, Mitch McConnell is incapacitated or dies in office, then the governor has the right to appoint somebody else in the Senate seat until the next election. Now, we know that in the next election, I think um, it's four years away before Mitch is up for re-election. So whoever that governor would put in the position would be a senator for four years. And guess what? (laughs) The governor of Kentucky is a Democrat. And if the governor of Kentucky appoints somebody to take Mitch McConnell's seat, I guarantee you it's going to be a Democrat. Now, Mitch McConnell had some foresight, which is unusual for a Republican And he'd been trying to game the system within the uh, legislature in Kentucky, where the legislature would then have the opportunity to pick the replacement if need be. Now, I don't know if he even accomplished that or not, or if he even could. But uh, if Mitch is in the hospital and he's worse than what they're telling us, it wouldn't be surprising. Now, I don't wish this guy any ill will, but at 81, maybe now's the time since you're having trouble standing up, that maybe you want to retire. Now, Mike Braun, a Republican from Indiana, says they didn't give any indication, just said he's doing okay with not a lot of details. And he said when asked if he knew when McConnell would be released from the hospital, the lack of more fulsome details, especially in a brief statement released by his office on Wednesday after the fall occurred, fueled speculation on Capitol Hill about McConnell's health. Senate wait staff were required to take the usual measures of checking their phones and other electronics at a small cubby outside the room where Republicans met for lunch on Thursday. I mean, that's, that's the thing. If he's worse than we know, it wouldn't be surprising if they didn't tell us. The other question is, we know that Mitch McConnell has had some other issues. Remember those days when he'd show up on camera and his face would be bruised or brown or black around his mouth and around his eyes and stuff? Clearly, this guy is falling more than just this one time. The question is, what is causing him to fall? Is there some other illness that we don't know about? Well, that's certainly possible. If there was any concerns about Mitch McConnell's health, they certainly aren't going to tell us. They certainly aren't going to tell the Democrats. If there is a situation where McConnell can't come back and work as a senator, they're going to try to game the system, try to scam the system, and make sure they get a Republican to replace him. As I said, I don't know if that's been gamed by Mitch McConnell as yet or the governor will be able to replace him with a Democrat. Or maybe Mitch McConnell is fine and he'll be back in a week or so. We'll see what happens. Now, Senator Lisa Murkowski, 
of Alaska said she hoped McConnell would make a quick recovery. She sent a sampling of Thursday's GOP lunch menu, Alaskan halibut, of which McConnell is a big fan to his staff as a care package. Now, it'll be interesting, once he gets that fish, will he be able to eat it as he normally does? Or are they going to have to bring in the magic bullet and turn it into fucking liquid so he can suck it down or have it uh, taken intravenously? I'm sure we won't find out about that. Murkowski said, we just know he's in good spirits. Hopefully now he'll be in better spirits because he got the halibut. Oh, that's beautiful. McConnell's health previously came into question after a serious fall in 2019 that required shoulder surgery and weeks of recuperation at home. The Kentucky Republican, who overcame polio as a child, also underwent triple bypass heart surgery in 2003. And remember, he's 81. And like I just mentioned, in 2020, McConnell was photographed with bruised and bandaged hands, but insisted at the time he was just fine and offered no explanation for his condition. Now, the median age for senators is 65, about a decade older than their counterparts in the House, meaning the health issues are not uncommon for members of the chamber. Senator Dianne Feinstein, who announced last week she was hospitalized with shingles. Why the fuck does Dianne Feinstein have shingles? There's shots for that now. I've had shots for shingles. My mom had them. I had a friend that had them. And there's no way I want any part of that shit, so I got the shot. Dianne Feinstein is very wealthy, very powerful, very well-known. Why doesn't she get the shot? Senator Bernie Sanders, who is five months older than McConnell, suffered a heart attack in 2019 while running for the Democratic nomination for president. So there's a lot of shit going on with some of these older folks. We've got Grassley from Iowa, who's about 150. Somebody suggested that maybe we should have a uh, mandatory retirement age of 75 or something like that. I think this is probably a good idea. These elderly people are at the very least out of touch and certainly don't represent their constituents. The vast majority of of their constituents aren't over 100, you know. And this is where the millennials and the Gen Zs will come into play. A lot of these elderly folks that are still in office will be flushed out of there soon enough over the next four to eight years as millennials and Gen Zs take control of things. I'm looking forward to that when those folks, those young folks, can take control of their destiny as opposed to old white men or old white women deciding what their futures are going to be. A Democratic congressman on Thursday called out House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, alleging hypocrisy after Jordan issued subpoenas in connection with the investigations into the Justice Department and the FBI, noting that Jordan himself last year divide a congressional subpoena from the January 6th committee. I talked about that earlier in the podcast. Apparently, Representative Eric Swalwell, a Democrat from California, directed his comments toward Ben Klein, a Republican from Virginia, during a meeting of the Judiciary Committee's Subcommittee on Responsiveness and Accountability to Oversight, of which Klein serves as the chair. Jordan earlier this week threatened to subpoena 16 more FBI witnesses in connection with a probe alleging weaponized agencies mistreated conservatives. Swalwell said, I think it's quite rich that we're talking about a subpoena compliance under a chairman of a full committee who was absolutely out of subpoena compliance in the last Congress. And I think Eric Swalwell makes an excellent point. So we're going to call witnesses in here today and claim they did not comply with subpoenas or request, and that request is so rich because it's coming from a chairman who himself did not comply with the January 6th committee's request. Swalwell noted that a May 31st letter sent to Jordan repeatedly asked him to comply with the January 6th 
Ethics Committee's subpoena after he flouted efforts to compel Jordan's testimony. Swalwell said, you were a witness to a crime. You were a witness to the greatest crime ever committed with the most criminals ever indicted in America. Will you help your country? Will you comply with the subpoena? But there was no compliance, Swalwell said. Crickets, absolute defiance of the subpoena. And he makes a good point. And it goes back to uh, the email we talked about. Don't these people understand that they pull this shit, that somebody's going to slap them in the face with the very same thing? Well, that's what's happening here. Here's an interesting story and uh, something I took great joy in looking into. Former Trump attorney Jenna Ellis, fresh off admitting in a disciplinary proceeding by the Colorado Bar that she made multiple misrepresentations about the 2020 election, posted a video on Twitter that was sharply denounced for its heartless mockery of an octogenarian's injury, along with a side dish of animal cruelty. Now, Jenna Ellis was a uh, lawyer for Donald Trump. She showed up on all the shows, talked about election fraud and lied. Well, somebody decided to make her accountable and made a complaint to uh, the Colorado Bar, which is where she's from and where she got her law license, and she ended up being censured. She would have had to take her license away, but she negotiated out and said, well, if I admit to it, can I just be censored, censured, which is what happened. She didn't get her license taken away. Now, Ellis um, worked with Sidney Powell, and she also reacted to uh, Mitch McConnell getting hurt. <laughs> she said, Wednesday evening, McConnell tripped at a local hotel following a private dinner, according to a statement from the senator's communications. Director David Pop, a second statement from Pop Thursday afternoon, added that McConnell, 81, was being treated for a concussion and was expected to remain in the hospital for a few days. Now, McConnell, who speaks with a Kentuckian drawl, has been mocked online by comparing him to a turtle. But Ellis took it to a new low. She's already in trouble, but she's got to double down. Her tweet Thursday morning included a video of a pet turtle attempting to go down a stair and then tumbling down a staircase as the person's filming does nothing except chuckles as the unfortunate reptile finally lands with a thump in a basket at the bottom of the stairs. Cambridge footage from last night's McConnell dinner obtained, tweeted Ellis. <laughs> so... So she's making fun of McConnell, an 81-year-old man getting hurt because he fell. And then on top of it, there's potential animal abuse by taking the video footage of pushing this poor turtle down some stairs to make a joke about Mitch McConnell. Now, her tweet drew swift and vociferous criticism from Twitter users, denouncing both the ghoulish mockery of McConnell's injury and the careless pet owner who let their turtle take a possible, possibly dangerous, at minimum, stressful fall. Ellis showed no signs of regret, posting a reply to another user who wrote that he laughed way too hard at this, that she felt the same, and then retweeting conservative commentator, Carmine Sabius tweet that prayed for a quick recovery for McConnell and then asked American voters, when are we going to stop electing elderly or feeble people? Republicans attacking themselves. I love seeing this. They're going to tear each other apart. And uh, the Democrats are certainly going to benefit from it without question. Jenna Ellis has been put in her place. The state of Colorado, her home state, has censured her and forced her to admit she lied. She lied to benefit Donald Trump and herself, for that matter. Now, while she hasn't gotten her license taken away, I wonder how many uh, people in Colorado would want to hire a lawyer like her. Clearly, she's a Trump-la-fuck piece of shit. 
This is what I've always said. These people who stuck by Donald Trump too long will wear the stink of Donald Trump for the rest of their lives. And they will have to answer how it was they were willing to lie or do criminal things to benefit Donald Trump. You have to question their integrity, their credibility. And Jenna Ellis is going to have a tough time trying to be a lawyer. Maybe she'll write a book. Maybe she'll do some other stupid shit. But I don't think she's going to be doing too much lawyering. I don't know who would hire this crazy bitch. She knew she was lying. She knew she could get in trouble with it. But she kept doubling down and tripling down and got herself in this situation. And then when that's not enough, she decides to make fun of the uh, minority leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, and show a video of a poor animal being abused. These motherfuckers will never learn, will they? They never fucking learn. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen. Keep in mind, I'm going to be doing another show with Ed later on today, and you will hear it today. And then, of course, we'll do our normal podcast for tomorrow. The other thing I will tell you, too, I told you I was going to do an, a show with a good friend of mine. His name is Monty Moyer. He's a dyed-in-the-wool liberal. He's got some political insights, but he's also a founding member of the R&B band The Time that was connected to Prince and all that stuff. That's going to be an interesting show. It's going to be a little different, kind of like Maddie's show was, but I think you'll find it very interesting and very entertaining. So I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again later today. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.